0: taking up a variety of topics, as diverse as working from home to sporting events, to the role of the board of directors, to crisis management, to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. We will post on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time for the foreseeable future as we navigate our way through this incredible crisis. First, a word about our sponsor, SAI Global. With the coronavirus and COVID-19 pandemic continuing to change rapidly, trust and integrity are paramount to business continuity preparedness. SAI Global is here to help compliance and risk professionals facing these challenges, including unprecedented business impacts from employee well-being to disrupted supply chains. SAI 360 is a cloud-first software and modern ethics and compliance learning platform designed to help you navigate risk from every perspective. To learn more about how you can protect your business operations and workforce during these uncertain times, visit saiglobal.com backslash risk for free resources, expert guidance, and industry-leading technology. Thanks again to SAI Global for sponsoring this most important podcast. Today, I have with me John Petrovsky. John has been in the commercial real estate business for 35 years, and Jim Bellin, a self-styled contrarian investor from Phoenix. We talk about the economy coming out of COVID-19. All views of the guests are their individual views only. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and you are in for a real treat today because in this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus, the podcast where we bring you clarity and sanity about COVID-19 health crisis and the attendant economic dislocation, I'm joined by John Petrowski and Jim Bellin, two of my very best and longest friends, and we are going to consider how the economy may return from its current state, what it may look like in the fall of this year, in 2020, excuse me, 2021 and beyond. So gentlemen, first of all, welcome and thanks for taking the time to visit with me today.
1: Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. Tom, thank you.
0: So we have all been uh, texting, emailing, pontificating, occasionally Zooming on what the economy might look like in 60 days, 90 days to the end of the year. So I wanted to maybe get your thoughts on, uh, we we live in disparate sp- parts of the country. John is in Illinois, Jim is in Arizona, and I, of course, I'm in Texas. Our states are reopening really at different times and through different phases. But what do you guys see in your states Around not only reopening but businesses reopening.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to Pat, thank you. Thanks for having me, Tom. Yeah, I've been in Illinois most of my life, and it's very interesting state to be in right now. I'd say we're at the in the stay-at-home phase still, where some non-essential businesses are allowed to open, but for the most part, the state is on state is on stay-at-home. What, what I call in the hole. We're sort of like in solitary confinement. And uh, that's going to end, we think, uh, sometime in May. And the, the mayor has a five, I'm sorry, the mayor the, the mayor of Chicago also, but the governor of Illinois, uh, Mr. Pritzker, has a five-phase program. And we're in phase two, which is the flattening of the curve. And then in phase three, we get to closer to near normal and more businesses open with face masks and limitations on, on distancing, et cetera. And then with phase four, you get to go to groups of 50 people or less and bars and restaurants get to open in phase four. And then phase five is full, uh, full economy with the vaccine in place and people can go back to doing what they did in February of 2020. And there's a lot of controversy in Illinois because the bars and restaurants would like to open ahead of phase four instead of uh, they'd like to do it in phase three. But the state still is on heavy social distancing, masks outside, and a lot of businesses closed. So it's it's a tough time. And then uh, it's, so we're in the hole. I think it's going to be for till the end of the month. And then in June, July, it'll be the crawl out of the hole, which will take a number of uh, months. And then we'll get to a temporary new normal in September, which I'm happy to describe. And then with the vaccine, we'll get to what I call the new, new normal, which will still be different than what February of 2020 was. Jim, what about Arizona? Uh, Arizona is reopening for business, and I'm flat
2: out scared. Uh, Every day in April, the number of coronavirus cases in Arizona increased, and yesterday was an all-time high. We're close to 10,000 cases. Uh, Bars and restaurants aren't open except for carryout, but retail is is going to open in the next week or so uh, almost everywhere. And it's uh, at Arizona State. The state of Arizona had gained had gained some engaged some scientists at Arizona State to do some modeling about uh, expected coronavirus case growth in Arizona. And under their models, the only scenario where coronavirus cases didn't explode is if you would have had had stay at home all through May, and that isn't happening. So it remains to be seen. Uh, One area I'm particularly concerned about is in long-term care. Uh, Long-term care facilities in Arizona, they've had outbreaks of coronavirus cases, but the long-term care facility isn't disclosing how many cases there are, and the state isn't uh, making the long-term care facilities disclose how many cases there are. So it's uh, it's a problem. In Arizona, I read yesterday, ranks last in testing We ranked 51st, so we were behind all other states and the British and the District of Columbia. So it's it's we're not in a great shape, and this will be it will be interesting in the next month to see whether this theory that the coronavirus disappears in heat really is true, uh, because we've had 100 degree days already, and it's going to be in the high 90s for the next week, and we'll see what happens. Well,
0: gents, as Our states collectively uh, work through these phase reopenings. Uh, The next area I really wanted to get your thoughts on are what might the economy look like? Is it going to be by region that things start to turn around? Is it going to be by industry? Will it be a combination of both? Obviously, the energy industry where I'm located in Houston has been severely dislocated, uh, both from uh, the coronavirus health crisis. The attendants stay at home, so people aren't traveling. They're not going to travel for summer vacations, but also the international uh, component of it. But what might it look like uh, in areas of manufacturing, John, and in the Midwest? And, and Jim, with uh, um, Arizona coming through the summer, is that a high travel season? I know they're talking about Major League Baseball relocating perhaps to, uh, to Phoenix. What do you guys see in terms of uh, the economy?
1: Well, I think the clearly the economic impact has been unprecedented in terms of speed and severity. And you look at the unemployment today is around 15 percent. It was published this morning. That's probably understated uh, because it's playing catch up with the stats. So like I say, we've been on lockdown. And and when we come to the two month crawl out of the hole segment, it's not going to open up all at once and bring back like a rubber band of the The V is not it's not going to be a V. People talk about the Nike swoosh and what's the slope of the swoosh. And I kind of think it's going to be a lazy W means that the front end came down quickly. And from there, it's going to ramp up slowly with some speed bumps along the way. Um, But you'll see increased opening. And I think the next month is going to really be telling if if people are able to open up, if the canaries in the coal mine uh, don't not too many of them get sick in the coming month. Then the co- the country and different states will feel confident opening. If if we if we have more illnesses, uh, you could have uh, local lockdowns again, which again will set us back. So I think it's gonna. I, I think the summer is going to be a bumpy ride. Jim, what
0: about Arizona?
1: Uh, summer is always a slow season in Arizona. You'll have
2: the traditionally the hotels would drop the, uh, their rates, and so you could have at a five star hotel able to stay there. At $100 a night, but no one's going to go stay at hotels. I mean, I just don't don't see that happening. Uh, Phoenix is a very service-based economy, and I see real problems because there's small businesses uh, that have been hurt, and I'm not sure they're going to have the cash to survive. Uh, I'm not a believer in the V-shaped recovery, and it it just irritates me uh, that you have Steve Mnuchin and a lot of the Wall Street strategists continue to, to stress a V-shaped recovery. Uh, it's it's baffling to me that in the stock market, the NASDAQ 100 is positive for the year. Here at 15% unemployment, and 91 out of the top 100 companies in the index have, have cut their earnings estimate or created losses, and the index is positive for the year. So it's um, uh, I don't understand it myself.
1: Well, the, the stock market's a forward indicator, and so people buying stocks today are buying what they think the earnings are going to be in the next 12, 18 months. And so they're willing to jump in early to take advantage of that. But like I've, I've heard these stock analysts say, we'll get back to uh, December of 19 run rate on earnings per share. We should get that to early next year. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, don't think that's accurate because there's some industries that are just not going to be back to full tilt by early next year.
2: Consumption is 70% of uh, the gross domestic product. And where's consumption? I mean, Americans, there are a lot of Americans, what, 30 million Americans out of work? I mean, they're wondering, like, how are they going to pay their next month mortgage or rent? And where's the the spending money going to come from to drive things back to where they were, you know, in, in 2019? I think it's very interesting to look at Warren Buffett. Now here's someone in the uh, in the recession in 2007 2008. He was a buyer. Uh, he was uh, engaging in deals. A lot of them were convertible preferred uh, issues with uh, with banks. Right now he's sitting on 137 billion dollars in cash. He, if he wanted to, he could go, uh, you know, put the money to play. But in the first quarter, Brookshire Hathaway net net, you know, invested about. A, uh, you know, it was like a billion dollars in stock. and was it was like, for them, a very, very tiny amount of money. Uh, he's not the only long-term investor I've heard who are just like sitting on their hands because they've never uh, seen so much uncertainty in their investing lives before.
0: Gentlemen, we are going to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to take a look at some specific areas around uh, economic issues, and I've got some uh, questions that I hope uh, will be of interest. This is Tom Fox. If you are a compliance professional, if you're a compliance officer, or you want to move into the compliance profession, I would urge you to check out my newest podcast, The Compliance Life. In The Compliance Life, I interview one chief compliance officer per month in a four-part series about their experiences in moving to the chief compliance officer chair. We take a look at how they got there, what they've done after they've got there, where they may be going forward, some of their toughest experiences, and what it's like to sit in the chair. So check out The Compliance Life. It's available on the Compliance Podcast Network and iTunes. Now, back to Jim Bellin and John Petrovsky. Gentlemen, I had some specific questions I wanted to throw out to perhaps get your uh, look at the veiled land of the future down the road on. Uh, we all have the luxury of working from home, uh, so we've been able to continue our uh, professions uh, during uh, the COVID-19 health crisis, but what or how might working from home change the business-to-business models that we have all grown up with? John, you want to start us off?
1: Sure, I work, have worked in commercial real estate lending and investing the past 35 years, and this will have some uh, short-term, obvious impact on commercial real estate. But also, I think permanently, the work-from-home phenomenon has proven to be very viable. And I think in the past, people were reluctant to do, and our managers were reluctant to allow it to be done to any great extent. I think coming out of this, you're going to see managers much more open to more work from home. You'll see companies do maybe more office sharing, which means that the demand for office space could be down a notch.
0: Jim, what about your perspective?
2: Well, I've, I'll uh, just speak generally. Uh, one of the concerns I have is about inflation. We haven't worried about inflation for quite some time. I think that this, the whole coronavirus, you're going to have supply chains move back onshore. Uh, that's going to create more employment, although I think that a lot of the factories, whatever will be more automated than they would before. But if you have uh, uh, facilities moving onshore, manufacturers will be more costly, including social distancing issues. I think productivity is going to uh, go down. So you see inflation there. Uh, I see in the uh, the whole agricultural area, uh, disruptions in the supply chain. It's happening now. Uh, I'm particularly concerned when I see these stories about people lining up Uh, you know, for quite a long distance for food banks, how we can do a better job of of getting food from the farmer end to those people. uh, It's a a real problem because the the processing companies, they're used to uh, sending a whole amount of uh, produce into the restaurant trade and in the commercial uh, trade, and that's not going to come back. It's going to come back, but not, I don't think, to prior levels
0: could the local uh, the phenomena of sourcing locally for restaurants be uh, modified to source locally for food banks or other um, distribution nodes
2: I've, I've read that in new york is actually uh state is sending money to the farmers and and working to build a network they had it last weekend and uh, in 60 minutes they had this the famous chef uh, andres and he's He's organizing distribution through restaurants, uh, and so the food goes into the restaurants, and he has you know, people who worked in restaurants making it and then distributing it to food banks. I mean, we're in unusual times. This is.
0: So, uh, as you know, our listeners cannot see us, uh, fortunately. Nevertheless, uh, we all are near the, uh, at risk categories, uh, for, uh, coronavirus. So one thing I've been thinking about a lot is testing and a vaccine. Does that, the the concerns I have personally, um, do they expand out to how you guys are thinking about uh, not only uh, successful reopenings of businesses, but also an economic uptick as well?
1: Well, certainly an effective, uh, easy to get vaccine that gets us back to confidence in February of 2020 would be great. The reality is it's going to take a while. Even with these most successful vaccine tests, they they have to redo them again. And there's just a a thoughtful process that's going to take some time. But even so, once the vaccine is here, which I'm confident it will be, you know, this is going to be, as Sam Zell said, uh, like a lasting scar, because it's like our grandparents lived through the Great Depression, that our kids and our grandkids are going to remember the you know, the, the 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 recession of the pandemic of 2020. And it's going to shape how people travel, how they congregate, uh, how they spend money. One thing we didn't talk on is unemployment is one thing. There's a number of places that have just cut pay. A lot of law firms have cut pay 20% on base salaries. So when people are making less, obviously they're spending less. So that's going to be a downdraft on the economy. It's going to take it's going to take 2020 to climb out of this, I fear. I mean,
2: it personally, I'm not about to go to a movie theater anytime soon. Uh, I like Major League Baseball. I have no plans. If, if Even if baseball comes back, I have no plans to go to a stadium or to a concert anytime soon. I, uh, vaccine, for me, can't come soon enough.
0: So one of the things that... Uh as I said uh, in uh, our first segment that I think about a lot, obviously, is the energy industry. John, you touched upon commercial real estate. Uh, are there any industries or sectors, rather, that you guys think could literally be changed forever? The sort of work office share model immediately comes to my mind. Uh, you mentioned uh, services and entertainment, Jim, that uh, may, may not come back in 2020. Uh, are there other uh, examples you can think of or that you're watching? or considering along those lines?
1: Well, certainly retail is getting uh, a lot of press these days and retail had been on a a downward slide. When I say retail, I mean brick and mortar retail as the internet sales and Amazon have eaten into market share and even more importantly have eaten into margin. So retail was on a downward slide anyway and this pandemic has just accelerated that. You saw it Lord and Taylor filed bankruptcy, and even Marcus filed bankruptcy. They say a large, large number of the department stores may not make it. Half of them may not make it through this. There's a lot of malls that will be impacted by this. So that's going to be front and center on acceleration of a decline that was already underway. And, of course, the hotel industry has really been rock solid. Now, I'm confident that, that has a good potential to come back to 100%. It's just a question of is it... Is it early 2021 or is it 2022, Jim? What about your perspective?
2: Well, I think I think we're going to see a lot of change in, in industries just from uh, social distancing until they get a, a vaccine. But even like an airline, they're now not going to sell middle seats. Well, if that that's I think is the proper thing to do. But my guess is is that airfares will go up substantially for Americans because they've got to find some way, you know, to spread the fixed cost of uh, the plane. Uh, And restaurants. I I worry about a lot of, you know, small restaurants, how they're going to survive. If you have a social distance, you're not going to have as many tables, you know, being filled. Um, So these are uh, problems that I see there. Let
0: me change the focus just a little bit to the long-term play for equities and the bond market. You guys both previously talked about uh, equities in the stock market and the forward-looking nature of the market right now. It's up, whether that is due to the Fed, whether it's a variety of other factors, whatever they might be. But what do you guys see in terms of long-term, and I guess I should define that, three, six, nine months out, but into 2021 and beyond for equities versus the bond market?
1: The fixed income market has been low and in a a bull market for the last 20, 25 years, which means rates have been coming down. And every time somebody thought they can't go any lower and that their rates are bound to go up, uh, the the bond market proves them wrong and rates go lower still. And I think the 10-year treasury this morning was like 0.65%, which is unheard of what anyone would have thought as short as a year or two or three or five ago. So fixed income doesn't pay anything. It's a safe harbor for large sums of money. Um, If it's a great time to be a borrower on a home mortgage or uh, if, if you need to borrow money, go out as long and as low as you can. That's smart. It's one of the reasons why the stock market is so bullish today is people look at the returns in the fixed income market and feel like I may as well jump in the stock market and wait it out, and in three years I'll be ahead of the game. Versus, if I own a ten-year treasury, it might actually lose value over that time period. Jim,
2: I'm a contrarian investor. My allocation to bonds
1: is zero. Uh,
2: there's no return in a bond, a sovereign bond. Uh, a lot of there's fifteen trillion dollars of bonds globally, sovereign bonds that are trading at negative interest rates. Uh, so that that doesn't isn't attractive at all. I would urge uh, your listeners to avoid a lot of bond exchange-traded funds. A lot of the bonds in those funds are going to be illiquid. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of price discovery, but when there is, I, mean, I expect the uh, they'll have to be remarked to market then. So I, I would be careful about bond ETFs, uh, junk bonds. Uh, everyone's uh, you know still putting money into junk bonds because they feel that the Federal Reserve has, has got their back. Uh, the Federal Reserve uh, is backing some junk bonds, but they're not going to back all of them. Uh, it was the ones where they previously had a, a good rating before March 20. You've got a, a nation where we have 20 percent unemployment, if you include people who've quit looking for a job. I think there's going to be a lot of deterioration uh, among some of those credits. So I'm a, I'm I'm not an interested in, in junk bonds, uh, Jimmy.
1: Inflation or deflation?
2: You can have uh, uh, inflation in a lot of uh, things like services. Like I should say, not services, but I mean like goods. I expect food inflation to be much higher next year. Uh, energy is right low, is super low now. Uh, I expect energy to be higher over time because a twenty dollar barrel oil. No one's making money at that price. I think you're going to have big shutdowns of oil in, in places around the world. Um, I think that um, my advice for people, people need income in a time of zero interest rates. Uh, my advice is don't be a yield pig. Don't natu- don't necessarily go for the stock that pays the highest dividend. You've got to make sure that that dividend is sustainable. So you might check and see, compare, uh, uh, the, look at the earnings and see What what proportion of the earnings the dividend payout is. Uh, I think that for companies with little or no debt, their dividends are good. Uh, The dividend and dividends in consumer stable uh, companies, probably good. But you're going to have to look at the balance sheets uh, of the companies that you own stocks in. Uh, There have been some surprises. Whoever thought that Disney would omit its quarter dividend? I mean, that's a company that I never thought would would, uh, omit its dividend. You've had uh, big oil majors like Royal Dutch Shell. That's a quality company. They just slashed their dividend by more than 50%. Maybe that's, uh, that's sustainable at that level. It's possible. Uh, so uh, I think it's important to look for some yield, but to be smart and looking for some yield. And then uh, precious metals is an area I like. Uh, it's no institutions aren't, aren't invested in it at all. Uh, if you look at in the mining sector, uh, gold mining companies, they're going to have higher revenues and higher cash flow this year versus last year. How many
1: industries can say that? My hat's off to you, Jim. It took you 22 minutes to get the gold.
0: Well, gentlemen, we unfortunately are near the end of our time, but there's a couple of things I wanted to end up with uh, from both uh, asking both of you guys. Number one, are there any resources that you are following that you could direct uh, our listeners, to and or to economic indicators you're following, Jimmy. Hey.
2: Uh, I would urge uh, people. I mean, you turn on CNBC and you get the same cheerleading opinion day after day after day. So I think it's important for uh, your listeners out there to take a look at people who have alternative views. So I would I would suggest you go to Horizon Kinetics. I'm not I don't own their mutual fund, but people like Steve Bregman and Murray Stahl. Uh, they're thought, very thoughtful investors. Uh, they have a contrary opinion on things. Uh, I think that, looking, uh, I pay to, to subscribe to some people's newsletters, but you can get the, some of the same information by following their Twitter. So go to Twitter, follow people like Fred Hickey or Jim Grant at Grant's publication on Twitter or Stephanie Pomboy. Uh, these are people who I think are very smart investors. And have contrary
1: opinions. That's worth listening to. John? For uh, for economic data, I go to Moody's dot com and they have a, they've opened up their website to offer some free economic projections and on uh, real estate, etc. on a COVID uh, a website. And then for the virus itself, I go to uh, the John Hopkins website, coronavirus.jhu.edu. dot edu. And also, there is a, another website that projects cases and the mortality that's useful is covid19.healthdata.org.
0: Well, gentlemen, uh, we are unfortunately now at the end of our time. This has been a ton of fun. It's something I've wanted to do for a long, long time. So thank you both for uh, taking the time to come on and visit with myself and my listeners. Glad to be
2: here. Very nice to be here. Thank you, Tom.
0: Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance in Coronavirus. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like explored on this podcast, please shoot me an email at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, as a call to action, I would ask if you could to please tell one of your friends about the podcast so we can spread the word out about the newest podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Also, if you would leave us a rating on iTunes, or a review it would greatly help get this word out about this most important podcast over the next several months thanks again for listening and i hope you'll join me for our next episode of compliance and coronavirus this podcast is a production of the compliance podcast network
1: this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c sweetradiocom